0: Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 293, recorded live at Southstart, AJ Prakash, CEO and founder of Entry Level, takes us through his journey from startup to an affordable global cohort-based education platform with over 40,000 students, all within six months of inception. AJ explains how his experience in other startup companies across deep tech, international trade, education and hospitality underpinned his startup success. AJ details the social media strategy and techniques they use to promote the course and, most importantly, to convert sales. This is AJ's version of Be The Drop. Are you starting a podcast? Narrative Marketing delivers a full range of podcast production and training options. Visit narrativemarketing.com.au or hit the link in the show notes for more details. AJ, thank you so much for joining me live at South Start here at the National Wine Centre for our next episode of Be The Drop.
1: Yeah, so exciting. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, so we've got a range of things we're going to talk about. Scale up, building, how we're going to do that, how to do it fast. But to get us started, to, you know, introduce yourself to listeners so they can understand where you've come from, have you got a story that sort of gives us a picture of where and how?
1: I like this question because... A lot of founders will say when they do their press releases, they have to come up with some story about how they like, were walking, walking around the slums of India and then they saw this problem and they had to solve it, right? I don't think I have a, like a, a similar sort of thing, right? Like most of our customers are in like Africa and Asia, but for me to say that I truly understand what they're going through would be wrong. But what I can say is the reason I got into rescaling is because I think work gives us purpose, right? Like a lot of what we do um, during the week is work, right? And a lot of us derive purpose from it. And what I found early on is when I help someone get a job, it's such a transformational thing for them, like um, just make an introduction and they get a job. They're so thankful and they're so like, um, happy about it. And I love that feeling. And so like, I was just doing it for friends and family and like helping out here and there. And I was like, how do I do this for more people? Like, and that's just what gets me up in the morning. And so like, I just decided, okay, I set this goal, I'm going to reskill and help a billion people find meaningful employment. And then I sat there with a blank piece of paper and I was like, all right, how am I going to do this? Um, And that's how I started the company, yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, a billion people? Like, talk about, like, you know, I thought of that, what was that movie, Austin Powers? One million dollars, and he thought that was big, but, you know, it wasn't. But a billion is big.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is big, yeah.
0: (laughs) Like, why one billion? Where did that come from?
1: So one billion because um, it's a nice number, first of all. Yeah, cool, it is. Second of all, um, by 2030, we're going to have a billion new internet users, and I think I personally don't think anyone at South Start needs that much help, like they could probably find something if they wanted to. I think the people that do need help is like demographics we don't necessarily think about, so internet users are one, we're going to have a billion new internet users by 2030, what are these people going to be doing, like what are the jobs for tomorrow for them, especially when like they're learning how to use Google for the first time, things that we take for granted. Um, And I think the other demographic that's interesting is like the aging population, so people that Um, like, you know, my parents and, like, you know, other people in that generation who have been doing the same thing for 20, 30, 40 years and now are being told that that job doesn't exist anymore because of AI and all this stuff. And, like, what are they going to be doing? And so it's thinking about those populations, which are huge populations, and how do you reskill them in a meaningful way? And the reason I said a billion is because when you constrain yourself to that kind of solution, you have to think of new things. So if I was to think of reskilling 100 people, that's very easy. I could just run a workshop, you know, like hire out this venue at South start, start, get a bunch of people, do some workshops and help them retrain, and then maybe make introductions. I could probably make that happen for 100 people. A billion people makes you think in a more innovative way. you got to start thinking, OK, I can't do a workshop. Like I've got to think of different ways to reach a billion people at once. And so that's why I set that goal, because it makes you think in different ways, as opposed to like a less ambitious goal
0: yeah well your impact is huge yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) good then in this journey you've set yourself this giant goal and you're like okay how do i make this happen and you're you've got to go from this entry level so you talk about going from zero to one how
1: what's next so i was in a very interesting position very like privileged position in the sense that like I'd done a couple of businesses before, had a bit of a track record, and so when I raised money for this thing, I just said, like, I don't really have an idea, these are some things I'm thinking about doing, but I just want time and space to think about the reskilling space, and I pitched it very honestly and authentically, as, as I thought, um, got rejected a number of times because I didn't have anything, <laughs> um, but luckily there are value-aligned investors out there, and so Blackbird, like, was like, this is great, like, you know, we, we think there's great founder market fit, here's, here's half a million, go take a punt. And um, that's cool. So I, I had some time and space to think about what to do. That is cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And, so, <laughs> and,
0: and maybe, maybe you've, like, surely there's another element in there. Because, like, how do you just, they go, here's half a million?
1: So I think part of it was, like, you know, Blackbird's uh, philosophy around founders, I think, is really cool. Is like, is this the founder's life's work? Um, and I think that's a really important criteria. So founder market fit as opposed to product market fit. And for me... I've been spending 10 years thinking about this, so I've done a nonprofit in this space before. We to 6,000 engineers, um, so I've done this in a non-scalable way, right, through workshops and stuff. And then I've been thinking about it, designing solutions, and so like I've spent so much time in this, even though I've done other businesses in other spaces. I was always thinking about this, and so I made that very clear. So like it was, here's my resume, I, like you know, hire me to basically do this. Essentially, was the pitch. Um, And so, yeah, that's how I went about that one.
0: So you started with Blackbird, but then, and you've scaled without having to add the extra manpower. That was an important aspect for you, keeping it lean.
1: Well, yeah, it comes back to the whole billion people thing, right? Like you look at companies like WhatsApp, like my dream, one man billion dollar company, that's what I want to do. Like, I don't want to have any employees. I just want to have one person and we run a billion dollar company. I think that's actually getting more and more possible as we scale, because what we're seeing is less manpower to hit billion dollars, like WhatsApp's team was like, you know, 20 people or something, right? And so I think about that, and also I I think about the value I want to provide to these people at such a low cost. Like some of the people that come to our programs pay $5 for a six-week program that actually has a community and everything involved, right, which is really cheap, but that's all they can afford. And then there are other people that can't even afford $5, so how do I get the cost even more down? I need to think about the unit economics there. So I now need to think about, OK, how do I get a billion people in for $1 to $5 each, right, um, and not have to scale up my team ridiculously because I can't afford to? Um, so that's been a really interesting like, constraint like, to build with.
0: Yeah, it's it's so interesting because you've gone, okay, huge numbers of people, but really big constraints. I feel like it's kind of reverse all the things you want to (laughs) do. Really don't want to, I don't want them to have to pay much. It's going to be really low cost, all these constraints to lots of people. It's almost the reverse of what I think normal (laughs) startups would do. Is there?
1: Yeah, yeah. You pr- <laughs> you typically want less volume, higher paying customers, right? Yes. And so, like, you think about the mobile app industry; they focus on their whales because, like, eighty percent of their revenue comes from twenty percent of the customers. Even for us, it's similar, where we have a lot of people that pay a hundred dollars, which is our base price, and then five dollars is our like full scholarship uh, like amount. Um, you know, our average payment per user is about twenty five dollars, um, so it's leaning more towards the five dollar payment than the hundreds, and like we still m- we probably make the exact same amount from our $5 people and our $100 people but like the number of customers in $5 is way higher um, so i could just get rid of half the business not have to worry about you know probably 20 times more volume i could just reduce the volume by 20 times and make the same amount of money but I think we started this as like a social impact thing. Like, you know, what we're aiming to do is a lot bigger than reskilling a few thousand Australians, to be honest, right? It's about how do you make a cultural shift to reskill a billion people that are not in Australia, actually in Africa and Asia is like a big primary factor for us.
0: So next step then, you've got to this point, what, where, what happens now?
1: So I think we've only done one portion of this giant problem that is unemployment, right? Um, so I think part of it is... Like, the immediate goals is, like, you know, go from five figures a month to six figures a month in revenue. Like, you know, just increase our numbers, which, like, I think, I don't want to say is easy, but it's a lot more straightforward than, like, coming up with a solution, right? You just increase your ad spend, make sure growth is okay, and, like, you know, pump up the numbers. The um, other steps is now thinking about, okay, when we build this database to people, we have 40,000 now. When I get it to two hundred, three hundred thousand 300,000 people, and we have data on them, because, like, the difference between us and LinkedIn is that we see the work they do. We know exactly what they've learned. We've seen them apply the skills, and we also have this like, peer review system so we can sort out the, the top people from the bottom people. And what I want to do is create a new recruitment system. So allowing companies to target people um, based on their performance within the courses, the types of like, projects they've done, all that kind of stuff. And so um, it's building this giant recruitment engine. So I want to do what LinkedIn should have done but didn't. That's sort of the goal because the issue with LinkedIn is they they're the false narrative issue because you can put whatever you want in your LinkedIn. So when a recruiter is targeting people, they're targeting what people want them to see as opposed to what they actually are. And so I want unequivocal, like, you know, objective data on people based on the performance they've done, peer evaluations, and other soft skills that we can get out of the uh, community aspect of things. Turn that into objective data that recruiters can now target. So you have like a Facebook style, like, I want an ads network, but for jobs. Um, That's sort of like the two to five year sort of goal.
0: Yeah, that is wild. So, and then what elements will you use? You go, okay, well, this is what they're doing. This is how they've always done it. You know, you're just gonna try and disrupt that and change it, do it differently?
1: So I think there has to be a big cultural change. So right now the current status quo is, it's a uh, reward basis for recruitment. Like you get anywhere from 10 to 35 to 40% of first year salary for hiring someone, right? Um, so that's the main business model for recruitment, and right now it's resume, uh, maybe some tests, and it's like a long, arduous process of like trying to find out if they're the right person because you don't know until you try them out. And then you also have like in terms of onboarding the person, you have like one to three months probation period where you can terminate because you want to try them out a little bit and see what happens. So there's like this this entire process that comes to recruitment. To turn it on its head. I think you need more objective data insights to like find out who the right people are for your company. So, and and on the other side of things, companies actually don't know how to create great job descriptions. They don't know how to actually fill in the gaps that they have in a as a business. So, if you one help companies figure out what the gaps are, and then help candidates figure out what job is right for them, and then create this like matching algorithm like Tinder, right? Then you have a really good way of doing recruitment. Right now, we just work off like subjective data, and we work off like um, you know and one of the other biggest issues is like the temporal issue like it, a company might not be hiring when you're looking for a job and um you might not be looking for a job when the company's hiring and that's another issue so there's all these different variables that can't line up and so once you can turn everything into data like it becomes easier to like you know create an algorithm behind it right um but yeah sometimes it's easy for engineers to think that they can solve everything with code but you know i think that there is things you can do um, in that space
0: Yeah, create the Tinder for recruitment
1: Correct, yeah. yeah Yeah.
0: I just wanted to go back when you first had that concept um, and you started promoting in Facebook groups I think you said like 10, 20 Facebook groups yeah. a day were you just posting like links into that group or you were paid advertising because you then got quite a bit of growth relatively quickly I think you said Correct. it was a couple yeah. of weeks Yeah,
1: so we, we got about 30,000 signups in, with $0 in ad spend Yeah, um, okay it was all Facebook groups and referral traffic. So I would say like 80 to 90% of the people that came through our system were referred in because our referral was really And powerful. you
0: were just physically going, finding the groups and posting in there?
1: like. So yeah, the, when I was posting these groups, it was... One, I'd say you should downplay what you're doing. Like, I think if you're a business, no one wants to talk to you. Whereas the way I posted was like, "Hey, myself and a couple of friends are doing this cool thing. You should come, come check it out. Um, we're gonna teach you this, and it's 100% free. You know, check out the link below." And so I downplayed what it actually was in terms of a business. I like, just said it was like me and a couple of friends. So that that helps because it's more friendly. Um, two, like some groups don't allow you to do advertising, so it's good to like just DM the admin and just say like, "Is it cool for me to advertise it?" I'm not looking to make money out of it. It's just a free program. Uh, and then three was the content-based stuff. So I made like a really long-form post with a meme, which was like how to find a job in 2022. And I thought it was good content. Like I wrote it with the uh, like, I have a background in recruitment as well. So I wrote with my experience as a recruiter, like how you could actually get a better job during this great resignation period. And so that content piece went viral as well because a lot of people were liking it, you know, tagging their friends and stuff. And so that got exposure. And then Entry Level was just like a little link in the middle somewhere. Um, and so if people read the entire thing, found Entry Level, signed up, they had a relatively more trust in me. Um, I think one of the things people forget is like everyone's skeptical nowadays. Like no one trusts anyone on the internet. Hmm. And so you've got to build trust in some way, shape or form. And that's what lead nurturing is. And so that content piece helped because they can see where I'm coming from, they can get value from me up front, and then they can trust me a little bit, enough to give me an email address. Like that's sort of the goal. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's sort of the main tactics I employed, but it was also just the sheer volume. I just sat there posting on groups, and I think you need to do that for a bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah without going crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> after a while you can stop. Like I think once we got two, 3,000 signups, I was like, all right, I'll calm down, and then 3,000 to 30,000 was all referral.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so then, you know, your next growth step, what will be the focus for that? How, you know, and you're going adding the extra zero in your revenue, like what, what's going to be the focus for that growth?
1: So unfortunately, you can't sit on Facebook groups to go from like, you know, 20 to 30,000 to 300,000. It's not the same sort of growth strategy. But um, for us, it's generally businesses are built off one core acquisition strategy. So Um, That's generally Facebook ads slash Instagram ads, influencers, YouTube, SEO, SM. Um, I think TikTok is also becoming a main acquisition stream for some people. So it's like one of those six things have to become the pillar for your business and then everything else is like sort of tactics on the side. Um, And so for me, that's gonna be Facebook ads. Like Facebook ads has been the easiest thing to get set up um, and the best way to scale your sort of growth over time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and a good audience fit for you
1: yeah it's a good audience fit i've looked at other tactics like i've been really interested in this website called nairaland which is like the eighth most popular website in nigeria and it looks like a forum that was made in like 2005 like super old school but it's awesome because they get 40 million hits a month and i'm like what is this website so i'm like trying to buy out all the ad space but i haven't figured out how to actually transfer money to their account it's like there's this whole this whole thing there but at this point, I don't even care if I get scammed. I just I, want to be. I able was to thinking,
0: you know, if a big part of your target is the audience that's just coming onto to the internet, they might not be on Facebook.
1: Facebook is the first so that would be a though, right, like is, yeah. So what's interesting is like some of these phones that they get, especially in India, Myanmar, countries like that, is preloaded with Facebook. Right. Like, so the first thing they see is Facebook, and some people think <laughs> internet is Facebook right. in those countries, which is right. crazy as well. Well, so,
0: oh, good for Facebook. Yeah, it is great for <laughs> like Facebook. Crazy, yeah.
1: Um, and also, it's great for us as advertisers because, like, Facebook such a great advertising platform. Like, so easy to use. Um, it's
0: so funny you say that. A lot of people don't say that.
1: <laughs> so there are there are a lot of like issues around it. Like we've had <laughs> so many issues around attribution fixing and like all that kind of stuff. But I think overall. Compared to everything else there is, Facebook's the best around, because like you can actually target people. Whereas I've launched, um, I won't name them, but I launched an advertising stream with like a distribution channel in India, right? And it, it was so poor, because we couldn't do any sort of targeting. There was not much data we could use. And so we dropped 10 grand. ROI was like nothing. Um, whereas if I put 10 grand in Facebook, I kind of know what's going to happen. Um, so from that perspective, I like Facebook. but Behind closed doors, there's a lot of like negativity I share about Facebook in terms of actual implementation. But overall, I can't think of another platform that could like rival it. At, no, at the as far
0: as delivering new results. Exactly. And you're very data-driven. Correct, yes. Like. I have an engineering background and yeah. physics. So
1: everything <laughs> I do is based on science and like methods. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah okay well so in conclusion then from your journey and this experience what how would you distill your top tips like for people going oh well i should do that like maybe it's pitfalls to avoid or things to definitely do what would be some key summary takeaways
1: i think so zero to one phase i think people are too afraid to fail sometimes like they they feel like everything they have to do succeeds um and because of that they won't take the wild bet, right? Because they're not willing to take that that risk. Um, so I think being, being more comfortable with failure, focusing more on the problem is important as opposed to the actual solution. So like you saw that I raised money off the problem as opposed to a solution. And I think that's a testament to how important the problem is and not necessarily the, um, the product or whatever you're doing. Because I think if you give a founder that is driven enough and a good enough problem enough time and money, they'll figure it out. Um, so I think those are the more like, important factors, and I see so many founders now working on products that are terrible. But, and they, they can't even explain to me how it solves the problem of the user, but they keep working on it because they're just in love with their product, and I think you need to be in love with the problem instead. Um, and I say this to my engineers all the time, like if uh, tomorrow I'm scrapping all your code and it goes into the bin because we have a better way to solve the issue for the user, and it's quicker and all that kind of stuff, we're going to do it. Um, so don't expect everything you build to like, go out in the light of day, so I might just go in the bin. And so I think that's a really important factor, being okay with, like, some of your work not hitting the light of the day. Um, yeah, I guess those are sort of the main things, like, just being not, not afraid of failure and, like, focusing on the problem more than the solution.
0: Yeah, and I think with your focus on the problem more than the solution, that got you the funding, but then also those initial sign-ups, because you're like, do you need a new job? Yeah, you, so it's constantly that focus for, on the yeah. problem has been a constant for you.
1: Yeah, and I think that also helps us make money too because, like, we know exactly what they're willing to pay for it to go away, essentially, right? Like, um, we know what things to upsell with. We know what things to, like, tempt them to come into the program. Like, uh, I think that's a really important thing for, like, creating a sustainable business. Mm,
0: Fantastic. AJ, thank you so
1: much. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop.